This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top tier lineup. With Leap Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast. Now in our ninth season, looking into the exciting happenings of Ipswich Town Football Club. My name is Benjamin Bloom. You're tuned into this, the flagship show, available each and every week on video and or audio. So, for a sometimes irreverent, always informative hour or more of football conversation, make your Monday a Blue Monday. Happy Easter, Craig Finbow. Happy Easter, Ben. How's it going? Yeah, all right, mate. Yeah, I've I've been on I've been on leave this week, so I've had ten days off. I've had sunburnt head. I've had frostbitten lips, <laughs> and I've uh, I've got the the Monday blues on a Monday night. So I'm very reliant on Ipswich Town to give me a bit of a lift going into the the working week. It's a good thing if you've got the Monday blues. You are speaking on the Blue Monday podcast, Joseph. Um, Joseph D. Fares, the third American flag, I think it says on Twitter, doesn't it? What's Still happening, Joe? <laughs> Not a lot, same as Craig, just enjoying the ups and downs of the weather at the moment. Went to the gym this morning, it was an outdoor marquee, which all my stuff was getting coated in snow at the time, which is just what you need on Easter Monday. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful. So, um, what we're going to try and do today, we're going to try and keep it light because... Um, uh, yes, today's happenings at Rochdale um, haven't necessarily um, filled the running order up with stuff to talk about. So we talk a little bit about Bristol Rovers um, and the Easter weekend as a whole. Thank you, obviously, to Richard and Seb, who did the live stream after the Bristol Rovers game on Friday, which seems a long time ago. So we'll do a bit of a recap of both. We'll focus in on questions so you don't get to hear us ranty ranty ran all over the place if you haven't already please follow on twitter at blue monday itfc subscribe wherever you get your podcast and also over on youtube where you can get involved in the live streams post most um midweek games and there have been many um craig take over where are we with this game changer 20 um did more searches from from what we hear um uh, estate agents and lawyers and um, whatnot are inundated with people um, doing searches with stamp duty holidays and things of that nature. Should I be getting excited about some searches done by a financial conglomerate on our training ground? It's the second time we heard about this. Well, it, if, if nothing else, it shows that something is still you know, bubbling along in the background, if not decided either way. I don't think... You know, pretty much anybody within Ipswich other than Marcus Evans knows what's going on, um, despite various people purporting to be in the know. Um, I say all we can go by is that, you know, that we are seeing that these searches aren't being allowed to expire, which it, it can only be partially 
positive i'd have thought you know so at least it's it's not dead in the water because you say things are still being kept there in the background um things have gone a little bit quiet for the american end haven't they brett isn't liking well he hasn't had some to be fair, he hasn't an awful lot to like in the last couple of weeks, has he? So when you um, say like, do you mean pressing a red heart button on social media? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So yeah, he hasn't been inundated with goals and bits and pieces to uh to flood our social media on. Um obviously hasn't stopped a lot of our fan base just tweeting him out of sheer desperation to get him to <laughs> up his bid by a couple of million pounds just to get it over the line. Um but no, I th- I think, you know, with Christ, as Joe said off off air, we've just holding on to desperation that there may be something there. And I say, it can only be good news that they are, say, refreshing these these searches. I had a choice there to sing Desperado or holding out for a hero. Um, I'll sing neither and throw to Joe Fares. Um, Joe, was it you who um, did these searches? Well, it was, can only be a few hundred quid, can't it, to get the searches done? Are you buying the training ground? Yeah, it'd be a nice bit of real estate to develop over there. But I think <laughs> no, nice, already nice American terminology off. on that. Yeah. Um, what, what's going on, Joe? Because we saw the TWTD thing. We hear about um, valuation as an issue. It, it seems like Evans, just which sums up his tenure in charge of Ipswich Town, is effectively just selling the club or deciding whether to or whether not to sell the club on just a whim based on current results at the moment. So if if, if there's anything that sums up Evans's ownership at this time, I think that's probably it, that he can't decide whether he even wants to sell the club or not. He's obviously got to uh, quite a stage. The fact that sort of papers have been with the EFL, there's these searches on the training ground. It's effectively at a completion point, uh, whether, whether the fees are totally agreed or not. And he's still... He still doesn't know whether he wants to sell it. And I think Stuart um, Watson tweeted today that he was at Rochdale for the for the game today. So it doesn't sound like a man who's disengaged with it, does it? It does not, no. Um, I'm sure many people listening to this podcast will have uh, been told that a, a deal, um, I don't know, for property has been at completion and then just sat there for a while. Um, whilst people... You have such thing as seller's remorse. I suppose you can have seller's remorse. You can have buyer's remorse as well, can't you? Um, uh, we stay with Joe. Uh, the Blue Action guys were <laughs> out. Um, well, they put something up on um, social media prior to, I think, Bristol Rovers game, and then went out with a banner saying, "The blame is in your name. Reform or sell." With the M um, E in name and blame, um, sort of highlighted in um red um i mean look just to be transparent we often as a podcast team get asked to comment on um uh the the blue action positions obviously we we don't have a podcast position so um what's what's your what's your view joe and what's your view on paul cook going and and having a chat with the um with the chaps from from blue action i I think the position they've taken is fair there's reform or sell it, it has to be one or the other we can't just continue drifting as we are because look where it's got us and looks where it's continuing to keep us and if he wants to own a football club well then own a football club and appoint the people in the right positions to run that football club for you because at the moment we've got a squad of 50 60 professionals all probably earning the wage all, all earning a decent wage at this level but yet we do, we won't pay for a chief executive we won't pay for a proper director of football we've got an academy manager who's doing all these tasks for it so these, these are peanuts in in the in the grand scheme of things and the club needs to be sorted out behind the scenes that like i say i think i don't think it's a bad thing evan's owning the club ultimately you look at the you look at the american money people that are that are behind it and none of them have got anything like the wealth of marcus evans and that's something that we'll really miss being able to like I said, we ha- we've taken, what, a 10 million hit during COVID that we haven't had to sell players. We've had bids sitting on the table for some of our players and haven't had to sell them. And that's the luxury that an owner like Evans gives you. But he he needs to he needs to run the club properly. It's, it's, this isn't a part-time job. This isn't a two or three days a month job or one day a week job. It's a 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year job. And, and, and the, the sooner he realises that, the, the better things will be. But if the penny hasn't dropped after 13 years, will it, will it ever drop? And 
with regards to Cook, I think it's good that he went out there and spoke to the blue action guys. I, I haven't read what he said other than I think, I think it was effectively, look, we, we, we're trying here, help us out, maybe leave it until the end of the season. But this, is, this isn't this is a problem that's going to go away. If, if we do, by some miracle, make the playoffs, it's still a problem in the ownership. And we, we're just relying on Paul Cook being the manager that can run the club for, like Mick McCarthy used to in the first few years of his tenure before things went wrong. A manager that can hide a bad owner. Well, why can't we have a good manager and an owner who does the right things? Craig? Yeah, I saw, I get that Cook wants everyone on the same page and he doesn't want um, you know, this affecting the players unduly. But I can't imagine that the players took one iota of notice on a banner that was stuck outside the the gates of the of the ground as they went in. Um, you know, it's not as if the guys are in the ground creating a bad atmosphere. The, the players are handling that particularly well themselves. Um, so I just don't... Cook doesn't have the, the history. You know, he has... appreciate he's only been here for a little while, isn't he? So he doesn't really have the history of Joe saying anything going on. <laughs> yeah, and, and, he, and, he, and I appreciate he does understand it from a fan's perspective, but just historically, it's... This isn't a, a you know... Um, an overnight decision by these guys and, and everyone else to to support them, is it? It's just been an ongoing cut by a thousand, whatever it is. Um, death by a thousand cuts. Death by a thousand cuts. Thank you, Joe. Um, so as I saw, so get where where Cook's coming from, but I don't really think it is affecting anybody unduly. You know, they're just making themselves seen, making themselves known. Um, nothing's happening in the ground to, well, maybe it is affecting performances, but you know, there's nothing in the grounds to to affect any atmosphere or any playing conditions, I wouldn't have thought. Um, on April Fool's Day, and we're going to try and not overreact and go all outraged on this, um, the, the club put out uh, a story about data-led recruitment. Um, and we had some quotes. Um, a lot of the bigger clubs are using data and statistics as part of their recruitment. The days of just going off someone's opinion are gone, or are going, rather. Uh, we will be doing a lot more profiling on players than we've ever done before. Um, as I said, um, we'll go to you, Craig. We don't want to go into outrage mode and assume this means that um, we've been sending an 80-year-old guy with a flat cap and a dog to watch Billericay reserves and leave on the 50th minute and go, I've seen all I need to see, son. Sign him up. But... Oh, God, I went Paul Cook then, and I've done my, done my throat then. By the way, I'm worried about Paul Cook's vocal cords. We'll talk about talk about that in a minute. But this was a bit embarrassing, wasn't it, Craig? The, um, you know, this idea of, um, we had this with sports science as well, this idea of, oh, we're going to start using data to identify yeah. players. And, um, you know, if we'd heard this in, I don't know, 2007, we might have been a bit excited, but um, well, 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 outrage aside, what was your view on this? Well, it's pretty much as you say, isn't it? It's just embarrassing. The reason the, why they actually feel the need to go out and market this as as a as a plus point, you know, that we're we're so behind the curve in all of these sort of things that just do it, keep it under your hats, and you know, we'll just assume it's being done and has been done in the past, regardless, you know. Even when he came out, Leonu came out and said something on the lines of Charlie Wyke has got X amount of goals, but Aidan <laughs> McGeady's got a dozen assists or something. Well, bloody hell. Okay. Well, if that's Aidan McGeady who's played 500 games and is the most obvious um, eye test <laughs> player you'd ever see in your life. Sorry. Craig. Yeah, but if all, if all they're going to do is look at assists and goals, then, well, well Alan Judge in 2013 14 topped every championship metric you've got, didn't he? Yeah, it's well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, that's, that's, as I said on Twitter, you know, if you look in your search engine on Joe's um, FM database and look for was it vision and passing player <laughs> and out, soon to be out of contract, Alan Judge's face appears on your screen. So um, I don't know. I don't know. It, as with all of these things, it will depend on the investment, won't it? You know, it will depend on a a what level of investment it is, and b use we get out of it and what sort of people are looking into it and same with anything you only get out what you put into these things so if it's going to be another half-assed um you know half-assed attempt at it like it was with the sports science and you know the sports science went as far as getting gps 
trackers in the in the vest of the players and a big um, square on the side of the pitch to track them. Well, that hasn't really fixed much, has it? So, you know, it's all very well saying these things and doing these things 10, 12 years later than everyone else, but you've still got to make a decent stab of it. Joe, um, what's your thoughts? Does this reveal on anything um, about weak practices up to now or nothing we didn't know already? I'd, I'd just be interested to know how much of it is going on behind the scenes already because it seems like Leo Neal has a habit of talking about these things and just over-talking about them because I can't believe that we're not doing any form of data analysis at the moment. We've got data analysts who work for the club. We've got performance analysts that work for the club. Well, what are they doing if they're not analysing data of opposition or <laughs> players for the transfer market? But Maybe things- saying that that data analysis, Joe, has not been used for recruitment. It's just been used to look at our own players. I don't know. Possibly, but the... But, but the like I say, the things that Leo Neal says, there's teams in like the National League South that are doing the, the stuff that's spoken about there. Like Craig was talking about the GPS fests. Mick McCarthy didn't like them. Fair enough, he'd been the manager a long time. But again, there were teams in the National League that were that had that technology at their place. And it, we, we see it as like cutting-edge technology. It's like we'll be talking about, I don't know, the wheel soon. <laughs> thing is, well, thing is, well, sorry, the thing is well, with data is, you know, you could look at data and say, James Norwood scored a hat full of goals. But then it doesn't tell you about the, and I'm not picking out James Norwood because of it, but about the character behind the data, does it? You know, how, how we're talking about, I'm sure we'll get to the questions, it's about refreshing the squad in bits and pieces. A lot of it's about character, isn't it? And, you know, what can you tell from data on a character? Can you tell that, yes, he'll score you a dozen goals a season, but he'll be clambering off the roof of his Range Rover to try and get in a locked house and, you know, not potentially looking after himself and getting injured all the time. There's only so much that data will tell you as well. Well, and Craig, also, data is secondary. So if I'm Luton, and let's be honest, we I think you know him as well, Joe. We know someone who works for Luton in analytics. I know immediately how Luton play. So if I want, if I want to sign a Luton fullback, I need, um, I need someone who's getting up the pitch and good on transition, or a central midfielder who, um, you know, who's going to do the pressing things that, we, we know they do and move the ball quickly. And you're looking at short pass numbers and that um, uh, passes per defensive action that m- kind of measures pressing. And, you know, Luton particularly just brought the guy in from Walsall, you know, who is a division down from us. And we've been in need of a big striker. And there goes one through to Luton, um, Adebayo, scoring goals. But data's kind of secondary, Joe, isn't it? Because, you know... What what data are you looking for? Yeah, um, you need to know what you're looking on what for, you're trying you? to do. Yeah, and I think the problem, there's there's obviously many different ways to recruit, but the problem is you need as a you need your manager to be sort of confident enough in his own skin to recruit the type of players that he needs. And I don't think sort of under Roy Keane we had that under Paul Jewell we we sort of just recruited anyone who was available. Mick McCarthy recruited a very sort of certain type of player that he wanted to bring in and and that was sort of high character hard working and they, they were his key things or a high quality loan joe yeah or high I, quality I think there, were con- there were contacts with him and bowman that yeah but would, would do half of that wouldn't it you knew what he was looking for and and the the squad filler that he brought in were people who like i say we talk about someone like giles coke as being an embarrassing signer but this is someone who <laughs> is still playing in the football league sort of four years after he's left us and it's because probably because he's got a good character and does the right things around the training ground and after that Hurst came in and just ripped that to pieces and went went down a went down a sort of lower league approach which just has not worked and if you look at his signings it's, it's difficult to make a case for any single one of them being a well they were the ones the that had played played well against him it's like Arsene Wenger yeah. signing Richard Wright isn't it in you know, for we, Shrewsbury. We recruited as though we were Shrewsbury, didn't we? We recruited yeah. as though we were Shrewsbury who'd been promoted. Lambert came in, and I think some of his recruitment was decent enough, but it's just been just a mess. of. And you look back at the January window and the four players that came in in January, and it's just proven what a mess it is. There was no style to, to know what sort of players we wanted to recruit. So Paul Cook, he is a manager that, like when when Mikey did the pod with the Wigan fans, the Portsmouth fans, and when I've spoken to those guys on Twitter, they know exactly what sort of players he wants. He wants two def- two centre backs who can pass the ball, two full backs that players effectively auxiliary wingers, a tough holding player who can sort of um, move the ball around quickly, and a sort of 
player who can drive from the midfield and take it forward, a big striker who can hold the ball up and free wingers who can create and score. So it, it feels a lot, it feels like we'll be going into this next window with a clear idea of the sort of players that we want to bring in. And that's probably the first time we've had that since, well, probably in the last five years now. How's this for a sobering thought, Craig? Um, so Brentford cast off Alan Judge to us because they had Saeed Ben Rama. And kind of before that, a couple of years before, we were, we were sort of in the same market for Brentford for players. But anyway. Um, yeah, well, another sobering thought is that Joe's just gone through exactly all those type of players that we'll need. And we're, we're reliant on Marcus Evans getting them through the door. Mm, indeed. Um, well, let's have a little bit of fun because one of my favourite parts of the podcast now um, is to talk about chicken. And each and every um, show now, we're going to be talking about favourite chicken. Look at that beautiful stuff. Now, Craig, we've got an issue with you here because I'm trying to get Craig to have some favourite chicken, but it's a bit of a trek. Not only are you outside range, Craig, but it's a bit of a trek. So um, please tweet in if we can get some kind of pithy hashtag involving the word finbow and chicken uh, <laughs> at some point. Um, sprout your finbow wings. Because there is one close to you, right, Craig? There's one in Clacton-on-Sea, yeah, yeah. But I'm trying, I'm, I'm doing my best to sort out a little um, breakaway um, breakaway scheme with the local chippy. So, yeah, anything with, if, go to Winkies. Winkies, Brylingsea, New Street, Brylingsea, for all your fish and chip needs. We'll see how we get on there. But no, um, yeah, so I, it's again, completely against my ethos to, to back something that I've never tried, but I'm sure Joe can, uh, Joe can do it for us. Get in there, Joe. Yeah, it's the same as last time. Good, good chicken delivered fresh to me, <laughs> and those ribs that you can see on the picture, I got those chucked in as a even a freebie on top of my freebie, and that and they were really good as well. Outstanding. So, favouritechicken.co.uk. Now, um, we're not talking about going to Clacton because we're talking about the Ipswich branch. So, this is for our Ipswich-based listeners. Um, so, if you want twenty percent off favourite chicken. Um, in Ipswich, uh, so from the Ipswich branch, uh, we can sort you out with that if you type in the code BM20 um, when you go and um, place your order there. Brilliant stuff. We had lots of facetious messages. Yes, there's vegetarian stuff. Yes, it's wonderful. It's it's woke. It's beautiful. It's wonderful chicken. Um, get the app. Get your favourite chicken um, and. You're going to be watching those games, England in the Euros. What better accompaniment than some favourite chicken? Unbelievable scenes. Um, Favouritechicken.co.uk. Discount code BM20. Um, 20% off from the Ipswich store delivery only. Right. It was the Easter weekend. Um, I thought we'd do, <laughs> there's bugger all to talk about today. I thought we'd do just a quick little sweep of um the bristol rovers game um before so if i can just take you back craig to um good friday and bristol rovers a switch uh to a three at the back a couple of early goals in this one an own goal from lay and a goal from um judge any trailer park boys fans um watch this mr Leahy um was the first thing i thought of um, and that actor is, has, has died um, since Trailer Park Boys was was filmed. Um, attracts a certain type of person to watch Trailer Park Boys. You'll know what I mean if you've watched it. Um, Craig, thoughts on Bristol Rovers? A 2-1 victory, a switch to three at the back. Do you want to just um, give a kind of summary of this one? Yeah, well, I think basically Paul Cook admitted he'd had enough of banging his head against a brick wall and trying to get the, his group of players to play the way that he wants them to play so thought sod it let's just try anything to to get a tune out of them um so i can't as joe was saying about the the portsmouth and wigan supporters this isn't what he does he doesn't play three at the back he doesn't play wing backs he doesn't play two up front but he does with this this bunch um and to be fair they didn't i'm not entirely sure he got much of a tune out of them playing this way either you know it's not as if um Ward was was bombing up the left wing. Um, Jackson and Norwood didn't really hit it off together. Um, I thought Judge played quite well. Actually, Judge and Bishop um, playing just behind the front two um, did okay, um, played quite well. Um, apart from that, Dizelle had a, had a poor match, as we all know. Um, 
wasn't really much to write home about apart from two very very early very spawny goals um as has been wi- widely reported elsewhere once once bristol rovers scored we just we just went to pieces we we just retreat back into our shells it's as i say the guys in the east anglian mentioned it i think one of the opinion pieces in the east anglian said about fragility just fragile character um cook himself talked about them being brittle you know it's it's there for all to see and it's it's been reported on i'm not entirely sure that's going to be Know, great for a player to to read it in print and hear your manager saying it, but it's what else can you do but call it out? So it's there as plain on the nose in your face that these guys, whenever there's a, a tiny step, you're winning two 0 against a team in the bottom four. As soon as you concede a goal, you're just completely shot to pieces as a team as well. It's not just one or two of them just sort of deteriorate. The whole team just retreats and just shrinks, and it's it's just maddening to see. Joe. Yeah, agree, agree with Craig on that. We sort of played well for the first 10 minutes. I know sort of the first goal was fortunate. I thought the second goal was a little bit better. It was a decent decent move. Sort of decent ball in by Bishop, cleared. Oh, shot from Zell wasn't the best, but it was a case that we had midfielders in their box. We were breaking forward, men in numbers, which is what we haven't done enough of in, in a long time. But yeah, concede that goal, which was a sort of bad mistake from Dazelle. And from that point on, we just... We were just poor, really, and it's it's very difficult to comprehend how the confidence can be so low in the squad. And what what is Cook doing about this at the moment is what is what I want to know. I know it's um I know there's sort of some ingrained sort of fear in the squad or lack of responsibility, but at what point do we need to sort of say you need to be doing a bit more with what you've got? For me, interesting. Um, so. The win against uh, Bristol Rovers on to today's game now. Um, and, um, well, I mean, if I look at the table now, Bristol Rovers, well, Bristol Rovers have won today. So I believe they finished 20, they were 23rd um, after the game. And today, Rochdale in 24th place. So, and we've had Wigan um, recently. So this is the, you know, the run of nice games that, that we were looking at. Um, and yes, this is the run of fixtures we had at the start of the season where we won five out of six, isn't it? In exactly is it, the same, exactly same, the same order, it? yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, so here we go to Rochdale, Joe. He's going to stick um, with the three at the back. So Holly in goal, Wolfenden, Enciala, Chambers, Ward Edwards, Dazelle Bishop, Judge Jackson, and Parrot. Um, you just, you did, uh, Craig touched on it. You just talk about the, the shape and the personnel, Joe. Well, yeah, we kept we kept the same team as Bristol as a Bristol Rovers game, bar Troy Parrott coming in for James Norwood. But we'd finished the game against Bristol Rovers in a in a four four two formation, four four one one, four four two, and we we elected to go with a three five two, which was the case till about it was probably about thirty five minutes, where all of a sudden Alan Judge was on the right wing, Stephen Ward was left a, just an out and out left back, and Gwyn Edwards moved across the left midfield, and and we'd gone four four two, but nothing really made a difference to it. We were, I say in, in that formation, the, the team was listed on the, on the sort of club website and it, it had sort of Stephen Ward as the left midfielder. And he was just, he's just so defensive. And if you're playing in a three, five, two, you just, you just can't get away with. He was left having back, as many, he? he was playing he left was, back when we had three at the back. Yeah, exactly. He was still playing left back with three central defenders, wasn't he? Yeah. And it's just, it's just incredibly difficult to, to sort of work out how how poor we were today, and it's just defensively we were we were very solid. We didn't they didn't look like scoring at all. They got into our box a couple of times, but I say you look at the, the stats there. Rochdale had two two shots, both off target. I, I couldn't even remember either of them. They had a couple of decent breaks into the box, but they were well marshaled by our by our defence. The defence moved the ball a little bit quicker, I thought, than they did against Bristol Rovers, but. There's just it. There's so many attacks that just break break down so quickly, and and as soon as they half break down, the ball is back to our defence within within two free passes. So you get you have a quick break. Stephen Ward gets down the line. Edwards breaks. Edwards sort of has to cut inside a man, and then as soon as he cuts inside a man, he goes back to Ward. Ward goes back to Chambers, and all of a sudden we're back the other side of our half, and it's it's just it's just it's baffling to watch how 
how little confidence there is in trying to actually make something happen. Um, Craig, uh, would would you have um, given what Joe said about um, changing to the three and reverting back during the Bristol Rose game? Would you have done anything different today, or is there a bit of a sense? Um, I'm thinking Gareth Southgate at the 2018 World Cup. Um, expectations are low. No one expects us to do anything. Um, I'm going to play three at the back, and we're going to score from set plays and keep everything everything simple. Are we? Is Cook just got to? Um, and we we'll get this in the questions, Craig, about the contracts. Has Cook just got to the point? Um, like Lee Bowie's doing with Birmingham right now. I'm going to simplify this as much as I can and just get to the end of the season. Yeah, exactly what he's doing. And he he pretty much said this said it after um, the Bristol match, didn't he? He said we're going to keep trying to nick results. That's all we can do, I think. And that's that's pretty much all he's going to do. He's going to get out a team of some sort, and then it's just an, it was another attempt to try and get a partnership up front because you know, Norwood's had his two games in, so now he's got his two or three games out. Um, Parrot was poor. Um, we're sort of back to the Paul Lambert reliance on having better players than the opposition and hoping that they will do something off the cuff and out the ordinary. But as Joe said, that's not happening because we're just frightened for some reason, frightened to take a man on, get forward, pass it forward. As Joe said about Ward, it was I was throwing me remote at the telly at some points. I've never known a left back to be able to go back so often with the ball. Now, his first thought is to go back. And Judge has an unerring ability just to stop attacks dead in their tracks with one pass. And that one pass will just stop us. And then invariably, the next two or three passes are backwards as well, you know. And we're, we're getting so far up the pitch and then ending up just in front of just in front of Holy again. And what's kind of interesting, I, I watched the... Um, I don't know if you guys saw it, but the interview with Ian Westlake, um, the, the the club put out like the the preamble to the to the match, and he was chatting for ten minutes, quarter of an hour about his time at Town, and it's a bit, little bit about him at Leeds and stuff. And it's quite an interesting interview, but he was saying himself, you know, League One isn't difficult. You know, it's a very simple you said division. It over and again, Craig, exactly competence. You get enough balls into the box, he said, and the players will either they'll make a mistake, they'll they'll won't mark a man, they'll give you an own goal, they'll hack it clear straight to you. You know, if you get enough entries into the box, you will score enough goals to win matches in League One. But we don't do that, do we? We don't get anywhere near the opposition box to get enough entries into the box. You know, we don't get a penalty because we don't we don't spend enough time in the opposition box. It's it's something that, you know, I'm hoping that Cook will be able to put right over time. But for some reason, this group of players, it just isn't happening. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with McDelivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Joe, what's likely to develop? Um, let's assume that 
he's you know gonna stick with three at the back and this type of system and like Craig says if it's as simple as okay we've got an extra centre half on there and we we should be able to not concede and simply um, and Cook has mentioned entries into the box you know simply maybe play the channels and just utilize the three up top try and get Bishop up every now and then what's likely to develop in in that system with these players over the next few games Joe? I think you've got to change your well your left wing back really because I don't think you can have Stephen Ward as the man in that role because like like Guion Edwards is not a fantastic footballer but against Bristol Rovers he was the one that sort of he was he was playing as a winger whilst he was wing back on Friday uh, and he he was getting he was getting up the pitch he was helping us get balls into the box for the sort of first 25 minutes half an hour and yeah it it did it did go back after there but you need your full the fullbacks in this system have got to be wingers. Like you see, the the big teams that play three four three now it is it isn't with fullbacks as their wide midfielders. It's with wingers, and and then the the wide central defenders have just got to cover those spaces. And we just need to effectively get the balance between how many attacking players we've got on the pitch and how many defensive players we've got on the pitch. Sort of round whether it's four three three four two three one three five two. We need to be getting away from having six sometimes even seven defensive players with three attackers that the balance has got to change so there's a really good bit of exactly what you've just said in Rude Hullet's <laughs> book about about that he says whatever system you're playing most of the time you want to have you keep essentially you're keeping three players back and trying to attack with with seven and mm-hmm. you know like you say it's almost lopsided obviously it comes from the kind of Dutch school of thought, but I totally um, agree with that. Let's just bring the numbers up. And Craig, it's the um, the glaring one from today is the zero shots on target from um, either side. And of course, it's against the, um, against the bottom team. Did you have any sense at any point in this game of us scoring? Uh, not particularly, no. Um, because we, we're offering... Zero from midfield. We're offering nothing from wide. Jackson, we all know, can't play with his back to goal. Yet he was sort of being asked to do it still and battle with his centre half. And the only thing that was happening in the first half is that he might just get a nudging on a player and knock it out for a throw-in further up the pitch. That's literally all we had from him in the first half. Parrot was poor. Um, I don't know. I hope Spurs fans aren't holding out too much hope for... Troy Parrott to be the new Harry Kane because I say he's not exactly pulling up too too many trees in League One at the moment. His touch just seems to be off. His passings. Craig, awry. his reputation at the start of the season was huge, and the Millwall fans were so excited as well. Yeah, but, but, but based on what though? I don't understand what it's based on. It's based on youth youth matches, presumably, and reserves. He's, he's, he scored a lot for the youth, and he he had played a few first team games for Tottenham. He was. I think the, the, I think the, the Republic of Ireland one. thing had put his stock up, Joe. Yeah. But he was really, yeah. like crazy, he was really poor today. Yeah, you know, Jackson, we know Jackson can't play that role. And we we did look a little bit more effective when Hawkins come on because he did at least win two or three headers in and around the edge of the box and in the box. And, you know, if he's fit, he ha- if he's fit for the next seven, eight, nine games, I'd, I'd imagine he'll be playing every match because he just needs to because we need something or somebody, sorry, somebody up front who can at least offer some semblance of um, traction when the ball gets hit up there. If Norwood's not going to be fit for two or three matches on the trot and then back for a couple and out for a couple, then you know, there's going to be reliant a lot on Hawkins. And he's not going to score many. The reliance will be on other, t- other players to score more. But at least if we're a little bit further up the pitch, it gives us more of a chance for it to happen. And Joe, here's the maddening thing. Uh, we're just bringing the league table up. If you're watching on YouTube, we'll spell it out if you're listening on the podcast. Um, with eight games remaining, Ipswich Town have 59 points from 38. They have five points in the last three games. Obviously, you'd be hoping for six across three, but it's five. And the gap to the playoffs is still three points to Lincoln in six. Who are dropping like a stone. Who are dropping like a stone. Blackpool are going in the opposite direction, as are Pompey, um, both with four wins from five. But... And I thought um, Paul Cook spoke really well about this, as he as he has done, as football managers tend to, though, I have to say. Um, when he said, are, are our performances good? No, but are we near the playoffs? 
yes and could we get there yes and this is the maddening thing about all of it joe and um to craig's point from ian westlake about league one if you win three out of the next four games and um add nine points on there 68 from um 42 for example um You've essentially got four games to get into low seventies. Still, mm. still get in there. Um, what, what's your thoughts on that league table-wise, Joe? I think this is just what's more frustrating for me at the moment when you look at the fact, like how we've just thrown, we, we're just throwing this season away. It, it seems that every single week we we look at the table and you just think it's it's, it's there for the taking. And I think we we decided or Marcus Evans decided back in November that this season was just going to be chucked away by allowing Paul Lambert to stay in the job for as long as he did, giving Paul Lambert the January transfer market to bring in his own players and then appointing Paul Cook shortly afterwards. But like I say, we've only picked up nine points in the eight games since since Cook has been here. If that If that was 14 points in eight games, which isn't a massive thing, we'd be fourth. We did that at the start of the season, Joe. Yeah. Those if we did numbers. Like I say, if, if we'd have picked up 13, 14 points in, eight, in the eight games since Cook's been here, we'd be fourth or fifth. And I think it just shows that we, 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 we've got, we've, well, we've got, had, I don't know what tense to put it in here, but probably say we've had such a good opportunity to get into the playoffs this season and we're just, we're just ballsing it up week by week. You can, you can see from, the, from, yeah, from that table you got over there, Ben, the, the last five, you can see when the Cowleys took over at Portsmouth, can't you? You can. But Craig, even at the top of the table there, Pompey, um, so not Pompey, but the whole Peterborough Sunderland race, someone's going to win the league with like 84 points or something. No one's mm. going to get 90, yeah. are they? It just yeah. it just feels, um, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe I think maybe 86, it's, it's, it's 86, COVID as well, though, isn't it? There is a, yes. This yeah, is a very true. strange season, isn't it, with COVID? And I think the there is a reason why teams go on these long runs and then all of a sudden like how they'll don't win for five or six games and it just it just catches up with you at different times and I think the it difference is these these other teams have had purple periods and have yeah. looked the you know very decent we've had one periods. purple period which is the first yeah six eight games of the season yeah it's not as if it's not as if we're you know knocking on the door and you know being unlucky we're just nowhere near it, it just haven't been for for weeks and months Interesting. Um, right, let's go into some questions. Um, as ever, if you want to get involved in the questions um, at Blue Monday ITFC, uh, thank you, everybody. You had a two-hour deadline on this one because obviously we're, we're recording on the um, same evening. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, I'll make them a little bit bigger for you. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll also see that Mick McCarthy is trending on Twitter. There is a, <laughs> there is a mention for um, dear old Mick. Um, Joe, I want to come in with James's question there then, because you mentioned um, uh, the lack of points under Kirk. Obviously, we knew manager, we're not going to pile in on Kirk, and we know he's inherited an absolute um, crap show here. But uh, James asks, is Kirk at all culpable for the recent failings? Um, currently, after seven games, has a worse win percentage than Lambert, Joe? Yes, I'd, I'd say so. And I'd, I don't want I don't want it to sort of come across too harsh, like I'm calling for the manager's head or anything like that, because it's it's far from that. But I don't think anyone... What, what position were we in after that Accrington game where Cook officially took charge? Were we sixth? I think, I think we're in the top six at that point. <clears throat> but I don't think, I don't think anyone would have expected us to basically pick up the nine points in the eight games since to put in probably four of our worst performances of the season when you talk Fleetwood away, Gillingham away, Wigan away, and again, Rochdale today. These four, those four away games are probably in our worst six or seven performances of the season. And whilst we were very inconsistent and often very poor, this is probably our most sustained poor run of the season with regards to with regards to performances. Like I said, we, we played we've played the two bottom teams in the league over this weekend and we've, we've looked good for the first 10 minutes of it so, <laughs> and it's 10 minutes out of 180 and where we've looked good. And like I say, if, if we weren't going to get any reaction, then sort of what was the point in making the change? If we weren't, if, if the fans weren't expecting a reaction, I'm, I'm sure I say every fans 
well, every fan should be disappointed with what's what's gone on in the last eight games because I, I certainly am. I just think if, if for example, someone like Kieran Dyer had been given the job on a short-term deal to the end of the season and we'd put these eight games together, there's not hope in hell anyone would be saying he should be getting a job. And whilst Cook has got this brilliant track record and sort of, I, I think he's a man and I hope he's the man, but we, we need to start getting better on the pitch because... You look at the league table. We've got a big opportunity here, and we're just letting it slide. And we're playing, we're playing worse than we were before he came in. Um, Craig, um, I'll read one from one of our own, uh, from Richard. There, what's the best worst way you've wasted ten pounds before today? Can I just say, I went um, with Shaley to a restaurant in Brighton once, and I like to do this. You just you just buy the most expensive thing on the menu. Um, I, I just find it funny. And I, I find it good to be reckless um, sometimes. I, know I never want to be that guy who, you know, never even tries the most. And I had a £20 dessert. It was like a medley of all of the desserts. And people even looked at it as it was coming out, you know, other diners. So I think the best waste of £10 was my half of a £20 dessert at a restaurant in Brighton that my lovely Mrs. Shaley would probably be able to remember the name of, but um, I can't. Uh, wasting £10, Craig. Well, Crikey, we, we were counting up earlier how many matches we've watched. I think I've paid for 23 matches this season on iFollow, and I can't imagine getting, I can't remember getting too much value for money out of any of those. My little girl lost a £10 note out of her pocket on the way to get an ice cream during the week. I probably got more value out of that £10 than I did. Uh, <laughs> did you tell her I, I spent, then I gave her another tenner. Um, <laughs> She's probably she's probably got the she's probably got the initial one stuck stuck oh, in her money box. She's worked you worked you a good serial man, number. Yeah, should have kept the serial number for that. Um, <laughs> oh god, it, we're not getting too much VFM at the moment. VFM, love it. Um, let's do Noel's question, um, Joe. Uh, did any of you expect more of a new manager bounce with the players we have, uh, Mr. Scale of Paul Cook's task? Really, that surprising. Joe and I argue about the existence of the new manager bounce quite regularly, but we'll we'll keep that private. I'm very grumpy about whether it even exists or not. But new manager bounce, Joe. I'll let Craig take that because I think I've just covered. Okay, uh, Craig. my last question. Well, yeah, it is, it's con- it's concerning that Cook has had basically zero impact on the team, has he? No, nothing has changed. The 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 performances haven't changed. As Joe said, arguably they've, they've got worse. No players have improved or taken up the challenge that's been laid in front of them, either those in contract or soon to be out of contract. The same, exactly the same failings that were there under Lambert are there under Cook. And I say it doesn't, doesn't particularly shine a, a good line anybody, whether it's the coaches and the manager who are trying to get these players to play the way that Paul Cook's saying he wants them to play. You know, he he's coming out in every press conference and saying, I want them to play on the front foot. I want us to play attacking football. I want us to be getting in the box. I want us to be having shots. Well, Christ almighty, you couldn't get further away from that if if you tried at the moment, certainly in the last two or three performances. Um, as I say, I, I'm in no way am I laying any of this blame onto Cook at the moment. I'm absolutely fascinated to see what he's going to do with this squad over the summer and who is or isn't going to be kept on. And, you know, it, it may well be that some of the guys who are in contract just don't fit into the, into the pattern and, and the, the formation that he wants to play. Um, but no, we, we should have expected more from his first eight matches in charge. The fact that it hasn't happened, I say, doesn't, I say, doesn't, doesn't shine great on anybody. And I, I, I really don't know who, who the blame whose door the blame lays at. Um, that probably parlays quite well, Joe, into Pete's question then. Um, Pete Gerling, uh, I've seen a few comments suggesting the players might try harder if their contracts weren't being allowed to run down to the last minute. I find this odd reverse psychology. But what do you guys think? What about the mentality, um, Joe? Re- remember when um, when Mick went and sort of Bursant Selena was immediately, you know, finished the loan, you know, play all the youngsters and, and what have you, and away we go next season. What's the, what's the psychology of um, players? I think some of them secretly just want out and want to get to the end of their contract so they can get shot as well or um, other way round. 
I, I personally don't think it will be the players wanting out because if they've got half a brain, they'll, they'll realise what sort of situation they're going to be walking into at the end of this season where in this post-COVID time where there is a lot less money in the game, there's a lot of teams. I know the salary cap was sort of booted out in the end, but there's still going to be teams and you're, you're going to be talking a big, big pay cut, especially at League One and League Two level. And out of these players who are out of contract at the end of the season, who who of them is doing enough to earn a, to earn a move somewhere? Who 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 of them is thinking, well, look, his contract's up soon. I'll, I'll be able to get a decent move off the back of this. No one. I, I wouldn't say there's a single player, may, apart from maybe someone like Toto Enciala, for example, who he may be one that gets let go. But he's he's one that's actually playing well at the moment, and he 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 might be probably the only the only one out of that squad whose contract is up at the end of the season. And Joe, he might He'd get. He might get Rotherham, you know, Rotherham go down and sell Ihequa or yeah. on a Sunday He's not get or a championship whoever. Team, no, is he? There's not there's not a single player in that squad whose contract Which is going to go end up. of the season who is going to be getting a championship move off the back of it, yeah. unless it is someone like Guion Edwards, who's a championship team might take a punt on him because he's had a decent start to the season and and that's literally it. But I say, I, I, it's, it's hard. To, it's it's really difficult to get your to get your head around what the mentality of it is, what the mood in the camp is like. From what from what I understand, what I what I've heard, Paul Cook wants to get the squad down to about twenty senior players. That's about all he wants. Kieran Dyer in the under twenty threes, he wants about ten players in his squad, and then sort of in the under 18s you'd have your sort of 18 20 players well that's that's 30 professionals we're going to have on the books if if that is the case and at the moment we've got 50 53 54 more including loans you've got 26 players out of contract cook's going to probably want to bring in 8 10 more players so there's going to be it is going to be a massive massive overhaul this summer whether it's the right thing or not to do We'll find out probably this time next season, but there's going to be a huge overhaul. And there's players that you'd have expected to get a new contract. Maybe someone like Teddy Bishop, who's finally kept fit this season, has played generally. I think he's played pretty well this season. Players like that are just going to go. And it's just, and some of these players we might regret letting some of these go, but I think it's just what is going to happen this season. The thing is, as well, as you say about Bishop, and so it may be to a certain extent to Zell, it's where they fit into a 4 2 3 1 formation isn't it it's it's you know you're you're more likely if if no one if no one leaves if no one's signed you're more likely to see downs and nolan playing in the central two i would suggest because thing is with and, and bishop potentially in a tent thing is with poor old andres he just slows things day just doesn't do anything quick enough i don't think for a paul cook team unless he can get properly drilled into him to get the ball and get it forward quicker you know he doesn't want it just doesn't want that methodical, slower build-up type of football. It's just not the way he plays it. This is, but there's no one sort of to defend Andre. There's no one to pass to ahead of him, is there? No, no, like no. You, you looked at the um, game on Friday, and at one point he gets a ball, first-time ball, over the top, down the line, and I can't remember who it was that got in, got a decent cross across. And I think if, if the early ball is there to play, he will play it, but... It's just there's such a lack of movement, lack of sort of pace ahead of him that all his option has got generally is to take a touch, have a look and see nothing to do and then go from there. Um, whose question is it? Is it Craig? I think it's me now. Is it? Um, I just wanted to look at that top one, just parlaying into what you were saying about contracts, etc. Um, Sean Young, do any of the starting 11 from today feature in the first game of next season. Who are you really keen to retain, Joe? If um, if you're you, Joe Fares, or if you're Paul Cook? To start, well, we're in, we're in a position where we've got two goalkeepers whose contracts run to the end of next season. So I think we're going to struggle to shift one of those to get to get a new keeper in, but maybe maybe a new keeper. Luke Wolfenden, I think, if, if Luke Wolfenden isn't, going away this pre-season with a really good programme to come back, absolutely flying. Then we're in trouble, but he should be starting. Sort of Chambers, you'd expect to be a reserve by then if he's still here. Toto, don't know if he'd still be here. Andre, Andre Dezel, I think, can play a role. Teddy Bishop, possibly, but outside that, I, I, I don't see anyone. Wolfenden, and potentially one of Bishop or Dezel. Greg, same question 
Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Enciala gets renewed because you know he's doing exactly what you want him to be able to do in League One, isn't he? You know, he's he's stopping, he's throwing himself away in the stuff, he's keeping things far more simple than you know than previously, which isn't a bad thing. He's not giving away as many silly fouls as as he's been known to. So I wouldn't be averse to keeping Toto in and around the squad and you know, potentially starting just to be that that League One stopper. Um, but then, as Joe says, you look you look along the you wouldn't have either fullback at the moment um, and you're getting nothing from any of the attacking players. So, you know, you, you're getting nothing from any of them, whether they be the wide men, whether they be the number 10 or the striker. So there's, there's no reason to have any of those. Just, just quickly, I, I just looked at the stats, goals in the league for all our attacking players at the moment, and I just read them out quickly. And this sort of this season, embarrassing. This season in the league, Guion Edwards five goals in twenty-seven games, but he hasn't scored for over twenty games. This is starts and subs. Caden Jackson one goal in twenty games. Jack Lancaster two goals in seventeen games. Teddy Bishop four in thirty, and again he hasn't scored for over twenty games. Keenan Bennett's one goal in 22 games. Judge, four in 32. Freddie Sears, one in 21. Andre Dezel, maybe a deeper midfielder, zero goals in 35 games. Aaron Drinnen, one in 17. Luke Thomas, naught in five. Ollie Hawkins, one in 16. Josh Harrop, naught in 11. Armando Dobra, naught in 10. Troy Parrott, one in 14. And then James Norwood was six in 21. But you've got sort of 10, 12 players there who are averaging literally a goal every 10 games and there are attacking players. I don't think I need to add anything to that, Joe. They speak for themselves, don't they? Yeah, and that's completely at odds with the way that Cook wants to play football and you know what he wants from his wide men and his number 10, isn't it? It's completely at odds with it. Mm, indeed. Um, let's move on to the next game and... If you want a team with an identity, um, it's MK Dons at the moment, isn't it? Um, I'm sure you've all seen the clips of MK Dons training and um, making 5,000 passes a game. And if you um, if you actually bring up the underlying numbers for League One, um, top teams in terms of possession, MK Dons uh, top 60%. So they're not only top, but they're um, by a factor of nearly 10% ahead of the next team, which is Sunderland. And then pass accuracy as well, MK top of that. And in terms of a goal threat, um, uh, they are the top scorers of anyone between uh, 10th and uh, the bottom of the table. So um, is there a bit of a sense, Joe, um, that it's kind of admirable what Russ Martin is trying to do, um, trying to do here with MK? You might not have the best players in the league, but they very clearly keep the ball very well. And um, it's it's something that people are, are buying into. Yeah, but I, I think they, like I say, they've got a very clear identity. They, they pass it about to death. I think, as we noted in the game where we played them right at the start of the season, and their three centre-backs look like they complete about 100 passes each. And <laughs> whilst at times it's a little bit frustrating to watch, you can very, very clearly see what they're going to do and they're getting a lot of plaudits for it. The only thing I'd say is they're getting a lot of plaudits for it, but as bad as we've been, we're, what, eight points ahead of them in the table? Five yeah, points so ahead of them in the table? And it's, so it's a case 13th. of... Yeah. They had they had seventy percent possession today and lost two 0 at home to Crew. There you go. Yeah. That's what that's what I mean. Like these teams sort of have this identity. People say they're good, and people say we're crap, and we're we're ahead of them in the league, and we've been poor and poor for months and months on end. So they can't be that good. You might catch them on a good day, but ultimately they they must lose more than they win for them to be where they are. How does this play out then, Craig? A team that has got less good players than us, but a more um, what should we say? A more practiced, um, established pattern of play. I'm not going to say better, because um, um, as we've discussed many times, a good football team creates a lot of good chances and doesn't concede many. However, they choose to do it is um, immaterial. But um, how do you see this one panning out? Then we're a bit sort of anemic. They're going to keep the ball to death. Um, how does that stack up in your brain as a spectacle? Oh. It's going to fall right into our hands, isn't it? That's what's going to happen, and we're going to we're going to <laughs> shit now a one nil victory with fifteen percent possession just to keep our hopes of a playoff place alive for yet another two or three days before we balls it up against Wimbledon. Um, 
I don't know. It, it, it may work in our favour if if they keep the ball and we can catch them on the break. I don't know. I don't know. We, I say, we just don't create enough with any sort of possession. So I say it may be in our favour that if we just get the on the rare occasions we get the ball, we get it forward a bit quicker and react a bit quicker with it. Um, who knows? But I say it just depends. Depends who's fit. If 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 Downs is around, you know, there's rumours that Downs is closer to fitness than. Than previously thought. Um, if Hawkins is a little bit fitter, so I'd, I'd be starting Hawkins now. I think the Jackson experiment has probably happened and failed, hasn't it? Um, he's another one that's out of contract, and people are saying, you know, well, let's let's just renew it for the, you know, sorry, take on the option to sell him. Well, you've got to find someone to buy him as well, haven't you? Rather than keeping his wages for another year, you've got to be pretty sure that someone's going to come in and buy him if that's the the route you're going to take. Um, we just need a bit of a refresh all over. Um, but yeah, I think I think we'll win. I think we'll beat Milton Keynes. Um, and then, yeah, I'd say just prolong it all for another couple of days. Do you, do you agree with Craig, Joe? These these um, high, high obsessive possession teams do tend to take the odd risk and leave themselves quite open sometimes, don't they? I think, yeah, I, I just find these sort of teams, personally, I, I, I can find them quite boring to watch as well. I know I know we're not exactly uh, messaging that, but it's, it's like they... They spend so long trying to score the perfect goal that they just turn turn down decent opportunities to put balls into the box when they can. And yeah, the highlights may look great, but sometimes sometimes you watch the games back and you think, "Well, I'd, I'd struggle to watch it week in week out." But oh, admittedly, I am struggling to watch Ipswich week in week out at the moment for for totally different reasons. But I, I, I don't, we haven't got any again. Like, other than the sort of top three in this league, we really don't have anything to fear against anyone. But we just make it incredibly difficult for ourselves by not creating chances and not scoring goals. Great. I just, just saying about Milton Keynes, I was reading a bit in the athletic um, this week. I think it was, they had an article about, um, about them. And as Jack, exactly as Joe was saying, you know, there was, you know, YouTube videos about this 20, 30 pass goal that they scored and that every outfield player touched it, but they lost that match, you know, and, and they were, the, the reporter was talking to one of the stewards who, who watches the matches, you know, even there's no crowd there. He was talking to the steward and the steward was saying the same thing, saying, Christ, this is monotonous. It's terrible to watch. <laughs> As a football fan, it's bloody awful to watch because they will just keep it and knock it around. It's Paul Lambert to the extreme, you know, he's taken it even one step further than that. Um, and actually, funnily enough, um, Russell Martin was talking about, his, you know, the managers he's played under and was um, glowing about Paul Lambert's man management in the interview, as it goes. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, I was just going to say something really, really useful, and it's completely slipped my mind. That's not helpful on a podcast at all. Oh, God, completely lost my thread. Anyway, it'll come back to me five minutes after we finish this. We're just coming up to the hour, so we will call it um, quits there. Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. Remember, we are sponsored by favouritechicken.co.uk until the end of the season. So, um, if you are within the Ipswich area, um, 20% off favourite chicken uh, discount code BM20 at checkout. Go and get involved in that. It's been quite um, quite good fun association for us, but um, we'd love you to go and buy some chicken, um, etc. Um, Craig, I saw you were plugging the Jason Dazell interview. Um, do you want to plug your Twitter and um, perhaps uh, that interview which people can find in the Blue Monday archives? Yes, yes, yes. Um, FIM75 is the Twitter handle. And yeah, it's just because, you know, we're reaching that end of the season. Um, sorry, that point in the season where... It's <laughs> there he is. On, on those days in... And that shirt, it's a long, not a long sleeve shirt, Joe. Inaccurate. Um, and it's, <laughs> it's you know, beautiful, we're getting the, Joe. I, I like it a lot. We're getting a lot of on the on this day in history flashbacks. So, you know, towards the end of that 91-92 season, we've just gone past the, the South End away um, game. So there's a few uh, a few decent matches coming up in, in that respect. So there'll be a few more clips on YouTube and I'll try and refer everyone to the to the interview that Jason did um, when he, he recapped that season. And um, Joe, where can we find you on Twitter? I'm just at Joe Fairs. Be quite quiet on the academy account. It's difficult to f- follow things at the moment, but we have we beat Swindon last week in the Youth Cup, and Middlesbrough beat Bloody Swansea slugs. on Saturday. So we <laughs> now are away at Middlesbrough in the Youth Cup, and the tie needs to be played. 
by Saturday week. So that expect to hear something imminent on that. And hopefully the club will be able to, it'll be at Middlesbrough. Hopefully that'll be able to be streamed on YouTube or Facebook so that the fans can watch it. Brilliant stuff. Thanks, guys. Um, as ever, I'm sure you have done, but follow us on Twitter at Blue Monday ITFC. You can also follow me at Benjamin Bloom. Still plenty of championship stuff I've kept in there. Um, still waiting for Ipswich to just come back and join and then I can... But not happening, is it? Not really not really happening yet. But do follow me at Benjamin Bloom. More importantly, follow the Blue Monday YouTube where we do all the post-match streams. They've been going over well. Thank you to all the people who've supported via Super Chat on there. You can also support via the um, support facility on ACAST. Just go into the ACAST app and that will come up when you view the podcast. Thank you to everybody that's done that. And Richard has put a, um, a little thank you, which plays in the outro after we are finished. And check out our association. We sound we sound a bit corporate here, don't we, tonight? Check out our association with The Terrace Life. Um, you can um, just go into the Twitter and there's details of all of that. Richard's put that up. Um, I think it might even be pinned on the blue Monday Twitter. Um, we won't do you a crap. We're going to work on, um, I'm going to teach these boys, so we're going to do crap in three-part harmony um, at some point. I'm going to teach these boys um, uh, which part of the chord that they're all going to sing, but we won't do it tonight. Um, and I will sign off after a nil-nil draw with Rochdale saying, keep on listening, um, keep the faith in the words of John Bon Jovi, and we will see you um, next time. Thanks for watching. Thanks for watching or listening to the Blue Monday podcast. And thanks to those of you who have kindly supported the channel via Acast or YouTube donations. You can follow us at the usual places on social media. And don't forget to subscribe so that you get our new shows first. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping. But in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.